Well, did you ever have someone in your life, maybe you still have that person today, that in a bad way, you never knew what you were gonna get for Christmas from them. Like it was a crapshoot opening up their Christmas present. It might not have been as bad as Aunt Bethany on Christmas vacation wrapping up her live cat or the lime jello mold. Maybe it was more like uh, Ralphie on a Christmas story. His Aunt Clara gave him the pink bunny pajamas. Got a picture of, I think, Ralphie with his pink bunny pajamas on. There he is, classic Christmas movie that I hope you get to watch sometime uh, this season. Like every family has that one person who is just not a good gift giver. If you're thinking, man, our family, I can't think of who that is. We might've just found them. So I'm just saying. (laughs) On the flip side, do you have someone in your life that you literally cannot wait to see what they get you for Christmas? They are just the best gift giver. I want all of us to try to think of someone in your life that you would say is the greatest giver of gifts that you can remember, okay? And as we're thinking about that person individually in our lives, what if Jesus said that he was going to leave us a gift? How would he compare to the greatest gift givers we have in life? Because the truth is, Jesus did say he was leaving us with a gift. Did you know that? In John chapter 14, on the very night that Jesus was betrayed, arrested, and then crucified for our sins, he would have his last meal with the disciples and then his final conversation with them before he would go on to be arrested. And during this conversation, he said something to the disciples. Ultimately, he told us as well. These words recorded in John 14, verse 27, the very first part of it says this. I am leaving you with a gift. Everyone say gift. I'm leaving you with a gift. Now, I don't know about you, but of all the people I could think of that I would want to get a gift from, I can't think of anyone better than Jesus to leave me a gift. And the gift he left us is what I want to talk to us about today. If you're new here, my name is Jeff Manis. I am the lead pastor here, and I am so glad that you and everyone who's here has chosen to be with us, including anyone who's joining us on video or in one of our video services today. So glad that you are here as well. Speaking of gifts, if you are looking for some last-minute gift ideas, stocking stuffers, I would encourage you to stop by the Element Store today or next week. There's some great deals, reduced prices, bargain bin type stuff as well to get for somebody that that might work for a gift. And then I just want to keep telling you as well about the fully illustrated family Christmas book I wrote called The Christmas Cloth. It's available at the store as well. It tells the story of Jesus from birth to resurrection through the eyes of the swaddling cloth that held Jesus on Christmas. I think you'll love it and be inspired by it. We'd love for you to get one if you haven't got one already. I do want to take a moment as well and just as your pastor, give one final push and challenge uh, towards our Christmas services this coming weekend. We've provided, as you know, invite cards on your chairs, and I would encourage you to use those to personally invite someone to come to one of our five Christmas services. But really the easiest way to spread the word about Christmas at Element is by utilizing social media. And so if you would, before you go today, stop by the photo booth out in the lobby, right outside these auditorium doors here, take a picture of yourself, maybe your family, then post it on all your social media platforms, so Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter, and use the hashtag we have on the screen here, GivenInvite. 
If you use that hashtag, give an invite, and then also list the five worship services we're having for Christmas, you will be entered into a drawing that we are pulling out two names on Tuesday. Uh, You'll be entered into a drawing to win one of two $100 gift cards to Amazon just by simply using your social media platform to invite people to church. Then, if you are a Facebook user, so if you're here and you use Facebook and you have a smartphone with you, I want you to take out your phones. If you're a Facebook user, take out your phones right now. This is an all skate, okay? All skate, everyone with us here. We're gonna take out our phones. If you're a Facebook user, open up the Facebook app on your phone or go to the brow, to your browser on there and there's a website on the screen, facebook.com slash elementchurch.life. You can go there on your browser or go to Facebook and search Element Church. Make sure it's the one here in Cheyenne. There's other Element Churches uh, around the country. And then on the very top of our posts is pinned a post that's an event, the event for all five services. When you find that pinned event post, just click share and share it to your Facebook profile, to your friends as well. And we're gonna blast social media with some invites to our Christmas services. So keep on doing that as you you find it and share. I would love for all of us to invite as many people as we feel comfortable, but I wanna challenge at least the bare minimum, what if each one of us physically invited one person? Each one invite one to come to Christmas services next week and I think we'll fill this place up and see God do some amazing things. We're in a sermon series called Given. And throughout this series, we're talking about what we've already been given in Jesus. The whole series is born from one verse in the Bible that was written hundreds of years before Christ was born. It was a prophecy of a coming of a Messiah, a king, and we now know that Messiah was fulfilled in the person of Jesus. It's found in the Old Testament book of Isaiah, chapter 9, verse 6, says this. For a child is born to us, A son is given to us, hence the name of our series, Given. The government will rest on his shoulders, meaning this Messiah would be a king. And as king, he would rule with these four characteristics we've been looking at in the series. He will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Prince of Peace. And we're gonna see today that peace is actually the very gift that Jesus left with us. Now, the word peace that we see here in English is translated from the Hebrew word that that Isaiah was written in Hebrew, translated from the Hebrew word shalom. The word shalom today is a common farewell and greeting among Jewish people. So like if you ever went, if you ever have a chance to go to Israel, which by the way, I went to Israel two years ago, I'm going again in June. I'm leading a trip in June that you can actually go on with me. I'll be doing some teaching and Bible study at some of my favorite sites in Israel. It will literally change your faith and change your life. There are some information booklets there at Next Steps Wall. If you want to go or are interested, you can grab one of those. But if you ever go to Israel, you will hear Jewish people using that word alone back and forth together quite frequently. So while it's become a common farewell and greeting, it's also a very powerful word. We hear the word peace in English or the title Prince of Peace. And I think most of the time we instinctively think, think, yes, like Jesus is going to make all my surroundings better. Jesus will make my life more peaceful. 
that we tend to think of peace as getting something we want in life or having something we don't want taken away. That's how we tend to view peace in our lives. But shalom goes deeper, goes beyond our outward surroundings and circumstances, which is why it's such a powerful word. That word shalom, it's on the screens here, it means completeness, soundness, or wholeness. Shalom is an inside thing more than an outside thing. So Jesus is the Prince of Peace, make no mistake about it. He did come to give us peace, but the peace he gives is not always a political peace, one without strife or division or or war. It's not always a financial peace, having all the money and possessions I think I want or or need. It's not always a relational peace. Boy meets girl, boy and girl fall in love, they live happily ever after is not always the case. It's not always a physical peace. Like there are disease and sickness and frailties in our life that God can, yes, change those things, but doesn't always provide that as the peace he gives. I talked a little bit about this last week in the message. It will show up next week in the message as well, that I think this might be the biggest thing we need reminded of as Christians in our faith today, this idea of what kind of peace is he offering? Because we have one definition of peace, and if he doesn't do that, then we think he has missed the mark in giving us peace. In fact, there are probably some people here today that, that you don't currently, you have not put your faith in Jesus, you've not followed him fully with your life, and maybe because somewhere along the way, someone told you that if you put your faith in Jesus, he'll take all your problems away, and that didn't happen. Or maybe you didn't hear that, you just assumed that if there is a God, if Jesus is God, that surely that God would take away all these bad things in life, so why does he take away the bad things? And I I don't have a good answer for you. I definitely don't have the final answer for you. I don't know why God, I don't know why Jesus doesn't fix all the bad things. All I know is this, it's our big idea for today. If you wanna write it down, it's on the screens. And this can be an anchor for those of us who believe. And here it is. The peace Jesus gives is not found in my surroundings. It's found in my soul. That that my surroundings, God can change my surroundings. Jesus can, but he does not always do that. So the peace he gives is not making my surroundings better. It's putting an anchor in my soul that, that gives me stillness in here when out here can be chaos. It's, it's a peace in my, in my soul. So if that's true, and it is, I think we have to ask or answer this big question. What kind of peace does Jesus give? What kind of peace does Jesus give? Last week, we had a bunch of scripture we read, so I'm taking it easy on you this week. Main scripture is one verse long, a whopping one verse you gotta hang with me for. John 14, verse 27 is our main scripture. It's the fourth book in the New Testament portion of the Bible, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. John was a disciple of Jesus, so he was an eyewitness to what Jesus said and did. I told you earlier, here in John 14, Jesus is having his final conversation with his disciples before he would go on to be arrested and then crucified for our sins. You can follow along on the screens in your own Bible if you got one. If you don't own one, we'll give you one. Just ask for one out at uh, Next Steps or guest services in the lobby, and we'll get you a Bible free of charge. I'm going to read the whole verse here together. I'm going to read one verse, 
And then we're going to look at four things, and we're going to break down this verse. We're going to break it down. Chicka, chicka, break it down. Okay, here we go. One verse, John 14, verse 27, says this. I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Four things we're going to see in that one verse that Jesus, our Prince of Peace, gives. And the first kind of peace he gives is this. Number one, he, Jesus gives his peace. He gives his peace. Now, the verse we read earlier, and almost every verse we, we read here at Element, comes from the New Living Translation of the Bible, because the New Testament was written in Greek, and Greek does not translate perfectly into English. That's why we have all these different translations, New Living, King James, NASB, all these different ones. Well, in the New International Version, many of you are familiar with that version, that translation, here's how the NIV puts it into English. I love this. Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. Isn't that good? My peace, Jesus said, I give you. So think about that statement, my peace I give you. What kind of peace had these disciples he was speaking to, what kind of peace did they see Jesus display? Like for three years of their life, these disciples saw Jesus do things like sleep through a storm on the back of a boat or walk on water in the midst of a storm. When he was criticized, he never crumbled. When he was in need, he did not panic. When he was abandoned, he was never alone. When he was threatened, he did not retreat. When, 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 he, was, when he was questioned, he never gave up hope. He never quit. Like, like Jesus, no matter the problem he faced, there's one thing he always displayed, peace, shalom. Like outwardly in the life of Jesus, it was chaos from birth to death was chaos. But inside he had this peace. And now he says the, the, the same peace, my peace, the, the peace I displayed to you, I'm gonna give it to you? Whoa. Anybody want that kind of peace? I do, I do. This is why this message is for me too. Because I need the peace that Jesus had. The peace he gives is not found in our surroundings, it's found in our souls. So what kind of peace does he give? He gives his peace, which goes hand in hand with the second thing we see here. Number two is this, Jesus gives a hidden peace. He gives a hidden peace. John 14, 27, back to New Living Translation, says this, I'm reading it again, I'm leaving you with a gift, peace of what? Mind and heart. Peace of mind and heart. I've never put these two scriptures before that I'm about to put together for us, but I was so encouraged by their connection. I'm not, I'm not sure why I never saw the connection, but in preparing for this message, the Lord led me to it, and I'm excited to share it with you. In the book of Philippians, in the New Testament portion of the Bible, uh, a guy named Paul, we call him the Apostle Paul, was writing a letter to a group of Christians in a town called Philippi, hence why we call it Philippians. Pastor Andy, by the way, two weeks ago, preached an incredible message on contentment using Paul's words here in another part of Philippians. If you did not hear that message, the second week of the series, I think we were talking about mighty God. Uh, go back and listen or, or watch that. I really encourage you to do that. It was amazing. It's important to note 
that Paul was writing this letter, Philippians, from a prison cell in first century Rome. So no modern amenities, no luxuries or, or laws or regulations on how prisoners should be treated. For every, every day in Paul's life, there would have been a threat, at the very least, of abuse, hunger, sickness, disease, maybe even death. Like the word peace is not a word you would use to describe any prison, let alone first century Rome, where Paul was in prison. Yet from a jail cell, Paul not only wrote about contentment, which is amazing, he also wrote about peace. Philippians 4, 6 and 7 says this. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. Tell God what you need and thank him for all he's done. Then you'll experience God's what? Peace. You'll experience God's peace, which exceeds anything we can understand. And now here's the connection. His peace will guard your hearts and minds. Almost the exact same thing Jesus said. His peace will guard your hearts and minds as you live in Christ Jesus. Isn't that awesome? Paul understood that the peace he was able to have in that jail cell and the peace we would need in our lives was not a peace on the outside. It was not political peace or financial peace because political peace was not happening in that day with Paul. It was political upheaval in the days of Paul. He did not have all the things he wanted or needed or dreamed of in this life. It wasn't relational peace. Most likely he was all alone. It wasn't physical peace. He was under threat of death every single day. Paul is saying this peace is not on the outside. It's on the inside. It's peace of mind and, and heart. The peace Jesus gives not found in my surroundings. It's found in my soul because it's his peace and it's a hidden peace. Then going back to our main scripture, Jesus says this, and the peace I give is a gift the world cannot give. So the third thing I see here is this, Jesus gives a heavenly peace. Gives a heavenly peace. What do you think of, especially at Christmas time, when you hear the phrase heavenly peace with all these Christmas songs playing? We're all thinking the same thing, right, with that phrase heavenly peace. Whether you're a Christian or, or not, when you hear the phrase heavenly peace, just double check, make sure we're all on the, on the same page here. When you hear the phrase heavenly peace, uh, raise your hand if you think of the Patriots losing the Super Bowl. Oh, I thought we all did. I thought that we were all thinking right now was that right there. I mean, that was heavenly, was it not? And we're hoping for more heaven in this coming year as well. No, we don't think of that, although that was fantastic. We think of the song Silent Night, right? Because the very last words of the first verse are sleep in heavenly peace. Well, what is heavenly peace? We, do we know what it is? We, we sing about it, but have you ever thought about what heavenly peace is? I think Jesus told us what heavenly peace is. It's a, a peace the world cannot give. And listen, this is huge. It's not a peace the world won't give. It's a peace the world cannot give. Big, big difference. Albert Barnes, great theologian in his commentary, says this about the peace that Jesus gives. 
Not in objects which men commonly pursue, pleasure, fame, wealth. Not in the flattering words or empty salutations that people of the world give. Not in the systems of philosophy and or false religion. His peace meets all the wants of the soul. How desirable in a world of anxiety and care to possess this peace. Isn't that awesome? Is there anxiety in the world today? Is there care? Yeah. So how how desirable in a world of anxiety and care to possess the peace of Jesus? Think, Think about our world today, okay? Yes, there are many problems that still exist in the world today. There is definitely anxiety and cares in this world. I get it. But in 2018, especially in America in 2018, Never before has there been greater wealth in our country. Like, agree with the president or not, this is not a political statement at all, it is kind of beyond argument that the economy is at an all-time high right now. Like, we have more than we've ever had before. Black Friday and Cyber Monday show it. Both Black Friday and Cyber Monday set records for sales because America's, uh, Americans are in a spending mood. Today, we have more access to healthy living options and health care than ever before. We are the most connected generation in history. We have more access to information and education than any previous generation had. We have more luxuries and we are afforded more accommodations than ever before in human history. Like you list out all the things in the world that we try to get to find peace. We have more of it than at any other time in human history. Yet, yet, at the same time, on November 29th, a few weeks ago, the CDC, Center for Disease Control in America, released some of their latest findings and my heart broke at what I saw. I wanna be very careful in the next few moments here because what I'm talking about is very sensitive and very tragic in many people's lives, okay? In one year, the CDC revealed, in one year, over 47,000 people took their own life in America. That was a 50-year high in one year. Year over year in Wyoming, we saw a 39% increase in suicides, ninth worst in the country. In fact, suicide over the last three years has been increasing so rapidly that for the first time in decades, they believe because of suicide, it has driven the life expectancy overall down for the first time. Like for decades, life expectancy was longer every year. This year went down for the very first time, attributed to the rise of suicide. Also at an all-time high are drug overdose deaths of over 70,000 people. So you combine suicide and drug overdose death, 117,000 people lost their lives in one year in America. That's heartbreaking, gang. I think it breaks God's heart. And listen, if what the world offered could give us peace, those numbers wouldn't exist. They'd be zero. 
And I, I'm, I'm not saying that we don't need suicide prevention programs and, and, and uh, you know, uh, addiction recovery programs and counselors and psychologists. Like, those are all great things and necessary in the days in which we live. I'm all for them. I support them. I'm just saying, in the midst of the greatest affluence and access this world has ever seen, if that brought us the peace we needed, we wouldn't see that many people take their own life or overdose on drugs which is typically an attempt to escape the chaos of life. Jesus said, the peace I want to give is a peace the world cannot give. You can't buy it, you won't achieve it, and you will never marry yourself into it. You can't drink your way to it, smoke your way to it, shoot up your way to it, or pop your way to it. You won't find it in education and you'll never find it in information. It is not found in pleasure or power or pastimes or popularity. Jesus said, everywhere you turn to try to find peace in this world will leave you empty and without hope. That's why I'm offering you a peace this world cannot give. It's my peace. It's a hidden peace. And it is a heavenly peace. Listen, if you're here today, and odds are just by statistics, there are people in our midst that you are today contemplating, is my life worth, worth it to go on? That I, I should just end my life that I'm better not being here than I am here. Whatever that, those thoughts are, if that's you, listen, those thoughts are real and those emotions are real, okay? And I want to acknowledge that. But I also need you to hear this. Those thoughts are lies. And you need some truth to combat the lie that you're better off dead than alive. So here's some truth for you. You might say that my life's not valuable enough to keep going, but your heavenly father said, you are so valuable, I'll give my own life to save yours. You are made on purpose, with a purpose, and for a purpose by God to live as long as he has chosen for you to live, to do great things for his glory. You are a masterpiece created just the way he wants you to be, for women beautiful in every way, for, hand, for men handsome in every way. You are created as a, an incredible, priceless, treasured child of God. And the most tragic thing to his heart would be for you to take your own life because your life is so, so valuable to him. You hear that? I want you to hear that. And if you're here and you are, you're going through those thoughts, please, please, please don't leave without talking to someone. Talk to me. Talk to a member of our prayer team in the very back of the room as soon as we're done. Talk to a staff member, a volunteer. Reach out to Grace for Two Brothers, an organization here in town that deals with suicide prevention and help. Please talk to somebody today because you are so valuable and you are so loved. You're loved by God. And listen, our church people will agree, you are loved in this church. 
okay? The peace Jesus gives not found in our surroundings. It's found in our soul. So the last thing I see that Jesus gives us is this, number four, Jesus gives a helping peace. Gives a helping peace. The last part of John 14, 27, Jesus said this, so, or literally, because of the peace I'm giving you, don't be troubled or afraid. Why would he say don't be troubled or afraid? Because he knows we are gonna face troubling and fearful things. He knows that. Uh, Jesus knows, he lived it. We're gonna walk through days or seasons, sometimes even years, where our life is anything but peace. In fact, at the end of this final conversation that Jesus had with his disciples before his death, it spans John 13 through 16. It's a pretty lengthy conversation. You should read it sometime. In this conversation, Jesus ends by actually promising us more problems. What a wonderful promise. It's actually one of the reasons why I believe the Bible is accurate about what Jesus taught. Because if men were trying to make up a religion to convince people to follow them, they wouldn't have promised problems. But Jesus was honest. John 16, 33. I've told you all this so that you may have peace in me. Here on earth, you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. We sang about this earlier in the song, Standing on Your Promises. When trials come our way and sorrow wins the day, there's no more words to pray. We sang, we'll be strong and courageous for the Lord God is always with us. We'll take heart in the sorrows for you overcome our trials. Standing on your promises. And what was the promise? (laughs) Jesus said, I'm leaving you with a gift. It's a promise. Peace of mind and heart. And the peace I give, the world cannot give, so don't be troubled or afraid. Oh, you will have trials and sorrows, but take heart. Have peace, for I have overcome the world. And listen, if Jesus overcame the world, that means for us, by faith in him, so do we. We overcome the world. Jesus gives us his peace, a hidden peace, a heavenly peace, and a helping peace to get us through those seasons of life that are filled with trials and sorrows. The peace he'd most like to give is a spiritual peace. We don't have time to really dive into it today, but because of our sin, there is spiritual unrest between us and God that all of us have sinned, all of us. That sin separates us from God and there's no way for me to get to where God is. So this is Christmas, by the way. God bridged the gap with Jesus. Sent Jesus, God in the flesh. Came as one of us, died because of us, rose victorious so that any one of us could turn from our sin, put our faith in him, be given a new life today, a power to live in holiness every day, and eternal life with him forever in heaven. If you've never experienced that spiritual peace with God through the forgiveness of your sins, please don't leave without talking 
to somebody about that, me, staff member, volunteer, prayer team member. You don't gotta make a decision today. I'd love for you to, but you don't have to. I just want you to know about the possibility of spiritual peace between you and God. Here's how I wanna close today. I know we all came in to this room with various stages of life, vast and unique. And for some of us in the room, like literally you came in and life's pretty great. Like there, there's some things happening, you know, randomly around the world or to other people, but pretty much for the most part, your life's surroundings are peaceful and you have that inner peace as well, which is awesome, by the way, you should praise God for that, but there are some people here that that's not the case for you. Like peace does not describe your life right now. Better adjectives are trials, sorrows, struggles, pain, hurt, loss. And I want to take a moment to simply just pray for those of you who are experiencing that. Even if you're watching on, on video, I want you to take part in this. That um, I know I'm not there in the room, but I, I want you to take part in this as well. So here in the room, in our video service, if you're experiencing unrest, chaos, trial, sorrow, and you just want me to pray for you, I want you to stand up right where you are. Stand up right where you are. If you're experiencing any of that in your life, there's lots, don't be afraid. Lots of people are experiencing the same thing. Okay. If you are near someone who's standing and you're comfortable doing this, would you just either place a hand on them or reach out towards them? You don't have to, but if you're comfortable, would you please do that? And we're gonna join together in prayer for peace. God, by the authority of King Jesus who reigns on his throne, our Prince of Peace, we are asking you, God, for peace in this place today. Jesus, would you fulfill your promise in this moment? I can sense the, the hurt and pain and difficulty in this room. There are beautiful souls who are standing saying, I need your peace, Jesus. So would you give us peace, your peace, hidden peace, heavenly peace, and a helping peace. God, we ask you too to change the surroundings. You can do that. Would you change those surroundings, God? But in the midst of it, more than that, would you give us an anchor for our soul? Jesus, thank you for being our Prince of Peace. And we declare peace in our lives today. We love you and we give you praise. In Jesus' name, amen. You can go ahead and be seated. Thank you for allowing me to do that. My heart grieves just sensing the pain in the room. I know that there is. So as your pastor, I'm, I'm standing with you. I'm praying for you. I want you to know that. If you need prayer for something today, anything, anything, anything going on in your life, please don't hesitate to go back to the purple tent in the back when we're done. And we'll have a prayer team member pray for you. They'll wait, wait as long as we need to uh, to pray for whatever's going on in your life. If you're new, I'd uh, love to see you in the living room and then love to have you back next week for Christmas. And don't forget, next week is Christmas services. Be praying for those services and praying about who you can invite to come as well. I love you guys so much. Have an awesome week. You're dismissed.